Section 14 of Meditations from the Pen of Mrs. Maria W. Stewart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Meditations from the Pen of Mrs. Maria W. Stewart by Maria W. Stewart. Mrs. Stewart's Farewell Address to Her Friends in the City of Boston, delivered September 21, 1833. Is this vile world a friend to grace, to help me on to God? Ah, no, for it is with great tribulation that any shall enter through the gates into the holy city. My respected friends, you have heard me observe that the shortness of time, the certainty of death, and the instability of all things here, induced me to turn my thoughts from earth to heaven. Born down with a heavy load of sin and shame, my conscience filled with remorse. Considering the throne of God forever guiltless, and my own eternal condemnation as just, I was at last brought to accept the salvation as a free gift in and through the merits of a crucified Redeemer. Here I was brought to see, tis not by works of righteousness that our own hands have done, but we are saved by grace alone, abounding through the sun. After these convictions, in imagination, I found myself sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in my right mind. For I before had been like a ship tossed to and fro in a storm at sea. Then was I glad when I realized the dangers I had escaped, and then I consecrated my soul and body and all the powers of my mind to his service from that time henceforth, yea, even for evermore. Amen. I found that religion was full of benevolence, I found there was joy and peace in believing, and I felt as though I was commanded to come out from the world and be separate, to go forward and be baptized. Methought I heard a spiritual interrogation. Are you able to drink of that cup that I have drank of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I have been baptized with? And my heart made this reply, Yea, Lord, I am able. Yet amid these bright hopes I was filled with apprehensive fears, lest they were false. I found that sin still lurked within. It was hard for me to renounce all for Christ, when I saw my earthly prospects blasted. Oh, how bitter was that cup! Yet I drank it to its very dregs. It was hard for me to say, Thy will be done. Yet I was made to bend and kiss the rod. I was at last made willing to be anything or nothing for my Redeemer's sake. Like many, I was anxious to retain the world in one hand and religion in the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, sounded in my ear, and with great strength I cut off my right hand, as it were, and plucked out my right eye and cast them from me, thinking it better to enter life halt and maimed 
rather than have two hands or eyes to be cast into hell. Thus ended these mighty conflicts, and I received this heart-cheering promise, that neither death nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, should be able to separate me from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. And truly, I can say with St. Paul, that at my conversion I came to the people in the fullness of the gospel of grace. Having spent a few months in the city of blank, previously, I saw the flourishing condition of their churches and the progress they were making in their Sabbath schools. I visited their Bible classes and heard of the union that existed in their female associations. On my arrival here, not finding scarce an individual who felt interested in these subjects, and but few of the whites, except Mr. Garrison and his friend Mr. Knapp, and hearing that those gentlemen had observed that female influence was powerful, my soul became fired with a holy zeal for your cause. Every nerve and muscle in me was engaged in your behalf. I felt that I had a great work to perform, and was in haste to make a profession of my faith in Christ that I might be about my father's business. Soon after I made this profession, the Spirit of God came before me, and I spake before many. When going home, reflecting on what I had said, I felt ashamed, and knew not where I should hide myself. A something said within my breast, Press forward, I will be with thee. And my heart made this reply, Lord, if thou wilt be with me, then will I speak for thee so long as I live. And thus far I have every reason to believe that it is the divine influence of the Holy Spirit operating upon my heart that could possibly induce me to make the feeble and unworthy efforts that I have. But to begin my subject. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Whoso is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoso shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell-fire. For several years my heart was in continual sorrow, and I believe the Almighty beheld from his holy habitation the affliction wherewith I was afflicted, and heard the false misrepresentations wherewith I was misrepresented, and there was none to help. Then I cried unto the Lord in my troubles, and thus for wise and holy purposes best known to himself he has raised me in the midst of my enemies to vindicate my wrongs before this people and to reprove them for sin as i have reason to them of righteousness and judgment to come for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts i believe that for wise and holy purposes best known to himself, he hath unloosed my tongue and put his word into my mouth in order to confound and put all those to shame that have rose up against me. For he hath clothed my face with steel and lined my forehead with brass, 
he hath put his testimony within me, and engraven his seal on my forehead. And with these weapons I have indeed set the fiends of earth and hell at defiance. What if I am a woman? Is not the God of ancient times the God of these modern days? Did he not raise up Deborah to be a mother and a judge in Israel? Did not Queen Esther save the lives of the Jews? And Mary Magdalene first declare the resurrection of Christ from the dead? Come, said the woman of Samaria, and see a man that hath told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? St. Paul declared that it was a shame for a woman to speak in public. Yet our great high priest and advocate did not condemn the woman for a more notorious offense than this. Neither will he condemn this worthless worm. The bruised reed he will not break, and the smoking flax he will not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Did St. Paul but know of our wrongs and deprivations, I presume he would make no objection to our pleading in public for our rights. Again, holy women ministered unto Christ and the apostles, and women of refinement in all ages, more or less, have had a voice in moral, religious, and political subjects. Again, why the Almighty hath imparted unto me the power of speaking thus, I cannot tell. And Jesus lifted up his voice and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. But to convince you of the high opinion that was formed of the capacity and ability of woman by the ancients, I would refer you to Sketches of the Fair Sex. Read to the fifty-first page, and you will find that several of the northern nations imagine that women could look into futurity, and that they had about them an inconceivable something approaching to divinity. Perhaps the idea was only the effect of the sagacity common to the sex, and the advantages which their natural address gave them over rough and simple warriors. Perhaps also those barbarous, surprised at the influence which beauty has over force, were led to ascribe to the supernatural attraction a charm which they could not comprehend. A belief, however, that the deity more readily communicates himself to women has, at one time or other, prevailed in every quarter of the earth, not only among the Germans and the Britons, but all the people of Scandinavia were possessed of it. Among the Greeks, women delivered the oracles. The respect the Romans paid to the Sibyls is well known. The Jews had their prophetesses, the prediction of the Egyptian women obtained much credit at Rome, even unto the emperors. And in most barbarous nations, all things that have the appearance of being supernatural, the mysteries of religion, the secrets of physic, and the rites of magic, were in the possession of women. If such women as are here described have once existed, be no longer astonished, then, my brethren and friends, that God at this eventful period should raise up your own females to strive by their example, both in public and private, 
to assist those who are endeavoring to stop the strong current of prejudice that flows so profusely against us at present. No longer ridicule their efforts. It will be counted for sin. For God makes use of feeble means, sometimes to bring about his most exalted purposes. In the fifteenth century, the general spirit of this period is worthy of observation. We might then have seen women preaching and mixing themselves in controversies. Women occupying the chairs of philosophy and justice, women haranguing in Latin before the Pope, women writing in Greek and studying in Hebrew, nuns were poetesses, and women of quality divines. And young girls who had studied eloquence would, with the sweetest countenances and the most plaintive voices, pathetically exhort the Pope and the Christian princes to declare war against the Turks. Women in those days devoted their leisure hours to contemplation and study. The religious spirit which has animated women in all ages showed itself at this time. It has made them, by turns, martyrs, apostles, warriors, and concluded in making them divines and scholars. Why cannot a religious spirit animate us now? Why cannot we become divines and scholars? Although learning is somewhat requisite, yet recollect that those great apostles, Peter and James, were ignorant and unlearned. They were taken from the fishing boat and made fishers of men. In the thirteenth century, a young lady of Bologna devoted herself to the study of the Latin language and of the laws. At the age of twenty-three she pronounced a funeral oration in Latin in the great church of Bologna, and to be admitted as an orator she had neither need of indulgence on account of her youth or of her sex. At the age of twenty-six she took the degree of Doctor of Laws and began publicly to expound the Institutes of Justinian. At the age of thirty, her great reputation raised her to a chair where she taught the law to a prodigious concourse of scholars from all nations. She joined the charms and accomplishments of a woman to all the knowledge of a man. And such was the power of her eloquence that her beauty was only admired when her tongue was silent. What if such women as are here described should rise among our sable race? And it is not impossible, for it is not the color of the skin that makes the man or the woman, but the principle formed in the soul. Brilliant wit will shine, come from whence it will, and genius and talent will not hide the brightness of its luster. But to return to my subject, the mighty work of reformation has begun among this people. The dark clouds of ignorance are dispersing. The light of science is bursting forth. Knowledge is beginning to flow. Nor will its moral influence be extinguished till its refulgent rays have spread over us from east to west and from north to south. Thus far is this mighty work begun, but not as yet accomplished. Christians must awake from their slumbers. Religion must flourish among them before the church will be built up in its purity or immorality be suppressed. Yet, 
Notwithstanding your prospects are thus fair and bright, I am about to leave you, perhaps never more to return. For I find it is no use for me as an individual to try to make myself useful among my color in this city. It was contempt for my moral and religious opinions in private that drove me thus before a public. Had experience more plainly shown me that it was the nature of man to crush his fellow, I should not have thought it so hard. Wherefore, my respected friends, let us no longer talk of prejudice till prejudice becomes extinct at home. Let us no longer talk of opposition till we cease to oppose our own. For while these evils exist, to talk is like giving breath to the air and labor to the wind. Though wealth is far more highly prized than humble merit, yet none of these things move me. Having God for my friend and portion, what have I to fear? Promotion cometh neither from the east or west, and as long as it is the will of God, I rejoice that I am as I am. For man in his best estate is altogether vanity. Men of eminence have mostly risen from obscurity, nor will I, although a female of a darker hue, and far more obscure than they, bend my head or hang my harp upon willows for though poor i will virtuous prove and if it is the will of my heavenly father to reduce me to penury and want i am ready to say amen even so be it the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head during the short period of my christian warfare I have indeed had to contend against the fiery darts of the devil. And was it not that the righteous are kept by the mighty power of God through faith unto salvation, long before this I should have proved to be like the seed by the wayside? For it has actually appeared to me, at different periods, as though the powers of earth and hell had combined against me to prove my overthrow. Yet amidst their dire attempts, I found the Almighty to be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He never will forsake the soul that leans on him, though he chastens and corrects, it is for the soul's best interest. And as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. But some of you said, Do not talk so much about religion. The people do not wish to hear you. We know these things. Tell us something we do not know. If you know these things, my dear friends, and have performed them, far happier and more prosperous would you now have been. He that knoweth his Lord's will, and obeyeth it not, shall be beaten with many stripes. Sensible of this, I have, regardless of the frowns and scoffs of a guilty world, pled up religion and the pure principles of morality among you. Religion is the most glorious theme that mortals can converse upon. The older it grows, the more new beauties it displays. Earth, with its brilliant attractions, appears mean and sordid when compared to it. It is that fountain that has no end, and those that drink thereof shall never thirst. For it is, indeed, a well of water springing up in the soul unto everlasting life. 
Again, those ideas of greatness which are held forth to us are vain delusions, are airy visions which we shall never realize. All that man can say or do can never elevate us. It is a work that must be effected between God and ourselves. And how? By dropping all political discussions in our behalf, for these, in my opinion, sow the seed of discord and strengthen the cord of prejudice. A spirit of animosity is already risen, and unless it is quenched, a fire will burst forth and devour us, and our young will be slain by the sword. It is the sovereign will of God that our condition should be thus and so, for he hath formed one vessel for honor and another for dishonor. And shall the clay say to him that formed it, Why hast thou formed me thus? It is high time for us to drop political discussions, and when our day of deliverance comes, God will provide a way for us to escape and fight his own battles. Finally, my brethren, let us follow after godliness and the things which make for peace. Cultivate your own minds and morals. Real merit will elevate you. Pure religion will burst your fetters. Turn your attention to industry. Strive to please your employers. Lay up what you earn, and remember that the grave distinction withers and the high and low are alike renowned. But I draw to a conclusion. Long will the kind sympathy of some much-loved friend be written on the tablet of my memory, especially those kind individuals who have stood by me like pitying angels and befriended me when, in the midst of difficulty, many blessings rest on them. Gratitude is all the tribute I can offer. A rich reward awaits them. To my unconverted friends, one and all, I would say, shortly this frail tenement of mine will be dissolved and lie moldering in ruins. Oh, solemn thought! Yet why should I revolt? For it is the glorious hope of a blessed immortality beyond the grave that has supported me thus far through this veil of tears. Who among you will strive to meet me at the right hand of Christ? For the great day of retribution is fast approaching, and who shall be able to abide his coming? You are forming characters for eternity. As you live, so you will die. As death leaves you, so judgment will find you. Then shall we receive the glorious welcome. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Or hear the heart-rending sentence, Depart, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. When thrice ten thousand years have rolled away, eternity will be but just begun. Your ideas will but just begin to expand. O eternity, who can unfathom thine end or comprehend thy beginning? Dearly beloved, I have made myself contemptible in the eyes of many that I might win some. But it has been like labor in vain. Paul may plant and Apollos water, but God alone giveth the increase. 
to my brethren and sisters in the church i would say be ye clothed with the breastplate of righteousness having your loins girt about you with truth prepared to meet the bridegroom at his coming for blessed are those servants that are found watching farewell in a few short years from now we shall meet in those upper regions where parting will be no more there we shall sing and shout and shout and sing and make heaven's high arches ring there we shall range in rich pastures and partake of those living streams that never dry oh blissful thought hatred and contention shall cease and we shall join with redeemed millions in ascribing glory and honor and riches and power and blessing to the lamb that was slain and to him that sitteth upon the throne nor eye hath seen nor ear heard neither hath it entered into the heart of man to conceive of the joys that are prepared for them that love god thus far has my life been almost a life of complete disappointment god has tried me as by fire well was i aware that if i contended boldly for his cause i must suffer yet i chose rather to suffer affliction with his people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and i believe that the glorious declaration was about to be made applicable to me that was made to god's ancient covenant people by the prophet comfort ye comfort ye my people say unto her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquities are pardoned i believe that a rich reward awaits me if not in this world in the world to come o oh, blessed reflection the bitterness of my soul has departed from those who endeavored to discourage and hinder me in my christian progress and i can now forgive my enemies bless those who have hated me and cheerfully pray for those who have despitefully used and persecuted me fare you well farewell maria w stewart new york april fourteen eighteen thirty four end of section fourteen recording by james k white chula vista End of Meditations from the Pen of Mrs. Maria W. Stewart